0: Well, good morning. Good morning. been gone to India for a couple of weeks, but you guys have been making progress through our five-part series on financial fitness. And today we're going to do session number four. I'm going to talk to you about the habits of financial fitness. Any area of your life where you want to enjoy health or fitness, uh, you have to establish good habits. Uh, you know, if you want to be healthy physically, you've got to establish good habits of eating and exercise. If you want to be, uh, have a healthy marriage... You've got to establish good, uh, healthy habits of a relationship, and the same is true if your finances. If you want to be financially fit, you've got to establish some habits in your finances. Now we're going to talk through those, and then today at the end of the sermon, we're going to do a special prayer for those of you who are struggling financially, because we've got a number in our our congregation and in our community who are struggling in a very difficult time uh, in regards to their finances. And we're specifically going to pray that God will move in and do a miracle in your life financially. But why would God do a miracle in your life if you're just going to continue the same bad habits that got you into trouble in the first place? You know, why would God swoop in and help you if you're just going to turn right around and do the same things that created the problem? So, you know, God loves to do financial miracles. I've seen Him do it over and over. In fact, after, this, after the last sermon, I had a guy come up and a tremendous story of God moving in their finances. But God says you've got to do it God's way first. You've got to set aside your plan, and you've got to start following God's plan for your finances. So I want us to look at these eight habits, and I'm going to give them to you in order. They are a sequence that you must do in sequence, in, in series. So the first thing I have to do, I must remember that God is my source. The source of my supply is not my salary. It is not my savings. It is not the economy. The source of my supply is not the government. If you put your security in your salary, you can lose your salary. If your security is wrapped up in your job, you can lose your job. If your security is wrapped up in your stocks and your savings, you can lose all of that in a heartbeat. You must put your security in something that you cannot lose. And that's your relationship with God. Now, if a job dries up, you know, if a water faucet gets turned off over here, God can turn on a faucet over here. You know, if this door closes, God can open a door over here. If this door closes, God can open a window. You know, God is the source of the supply. Always remember the Lord your God. Circle those words, always remember. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, every economy has wealth makers and wealth takers. Every economy has wealth producers and wealth users, wealth contributors and wealth consumers. When Jesus talked about that, he said, you're going to have rich people, and he said, you'll always have poor people. But an economy gets turned upside down when there are more consumers than there are contributors when there are more people taking out of the economy than there are people putting into the economy and that's what's happened in our day it's happened in europe that's what's happening right now in the united states right now fifty percent of americans take more out of the economy than what they put into it and when you have more consumers than you have contributors you get to a crisis point in an economy god says no 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 he says i designed you to create wealth i designed you To produce, to be productive, to bear fruit, to bear an abundance. You know, part of God's plan for your life includes wealth production, wealth creation, not wealth redistribution. You know, there's a difference between communism, capitalism, and Christianity. Capitalism says, what's mine is mine, and I get to keep it. Whatever you've got, that's your problem. This is mine, I get to keep it. Communism says what's yours is mine and I will take it from you and give it to everybody else. Christianity, you know, wealth redistribution, that's communism. Christianity says what's mine is really God's and I have a responsibility before him for how I use it. Okay, that's the difference. Capitalism, what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. Communism, what's yours is mine, I will take it. Christianity, what's mine is really God's And I'm accountable to him for what I do with it. Now, when somebody taxes you and confiscates your money and gives it to the poor, you don't get any credit for that. But when you voluntarily are generous and you give to help the poor, that builds your character and it makes you more like Jesus Christ. That's why the church dies in communist and socialist countries. We've seen it over and over again because people stop depending on God, they start depending on the government, people stop giving and acting like Christians because they they just assume that the government will do it for them. That is not what God wants you to do. God wants you to produce, to be productive, to create wealth, and then to out of that wealth to provide benefits, gifts, services, helps, even protection for other people. You're to bear fruit and produce an excess that creates prosperity. There is nothing wrong with prosperity. There is nothing wrong with making a profit. That is God's plan. It's what you do with the prosperity. It's what you do with the profit that becomes the problem. That leads to the second habit. Okay, I recognize God as the source, and then I must make money honestly because dishonest money brings grief to the whole family. I mean, I can go out and make a whole lot of money, but if I make it dishonestly, it actually brings grief, it brings a curse, it brings problems into my whole family. Now, you might say, you know, Pastor, that verse isn't for me because I'm not out robbing banks. And I know, yes, that's true, you're not out robbing banks, most of you. (laughs) But are you honest in every area of your finances? You know, are you giving your employer a full day's work for a full day's pay? If your employer is paying you for a full day's work, but you come in late, you leave early, you take a long lunch, and you're on Facebook half the time, okay? you are robbing your employer. You're being dishonest. You're not operating with integrity. It's dishonest to be paid for work that I'm not doing. And God's not going to bless dishonesty. And Christians of all people need to be known for their honesty and their integrity. You know, we need to be the ones who, we don't get there on time, we get there early. You know, we don't leave early, we stay, we stay late. We work the hardest of anybody else in society. We're the ones who are there because we serve a God who blesses honesty and integrity, industry, and hard work. You know, padding an expense account is dishonest income. You know, lying on your, you know, your transportation or your mileage or misusing resources at the office. Uh, That's a dishonest way to make money. It's a waste fudging on your taxes is dishonest and God says that kind of stuff brings grief to a family. Proverbs 16:11 the Lord demands fairness in every business deal. He sets the standard. You know sometimes I'll hear guys say, "Well, you know in my industry, that's just what everybody does." Well, that may be what everybody does in your industry, but your industry doesn't set the standard. God sets the standard. And when you're making a negotiation, when you're making a deal, you don't lie or cheat. You don't tell people the car you're selling is better than it is. You don't tell them the house is better than it is. You don't misrepresent something in a deal. That's being dishonest, and God does not bless that. God blesses integrity. Proverbs 28.2, if you make money by charging high interest rates, you will lose it all to someone who cares for the poor. Now, God is not against interest. In fact, the, you know, the, the miracle of compounding interest was created by God. And it can work to your benefit in a wonderful way. It's not, uh, uh, God doesn't mind uh, you making interest. God doesn't mind you paying interest. It's when it becomes excessive that it becomes a problem. You know, America, we have usury laws because the Bible says that you can't charge excessive interest to, to other people. It's wrong to do that. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. But wealth from hard work grows. There's the difference. Now, you know, one of the number one rules in finances is is don't lose what you've already got. You know, that's more important than making money on your money. You know, you don't lose what you already have. You know, there's the old adage, you never touch the principal. Do whatever you want to with the interest, but you never touch the principal. And too many people are in debt because they made money and then they lost it. And the most common way that people lose their money is get-rich-quick schemes. And the Bible says just stay out of those. You're going to get duped. You're going to be scammed. And every get-rich-quick scheme sounds great. You're going to make a high profit in a short amount of time with a little bit of effort and at low risk. You're going to beat the normal way of making money. And you're going to get rich quick. The Bible warns against that over and over. Bible cautions, it says stick with what you know when you're investing. Greed makes people gullible. You know, when you're trying to get rich quick, we fall for scams and we're easily duped. So if you don't understand an investment, don't invest in it. If you can't explain an investment to somebody else that you're getting into, don't put your money in it. You know, one of the common denominators, and you see this all the time on the Internet, you see this all the time. One of the common denominators of get-rich-quick schemes is they have a secret secret. You know, I've got a secret piece of equipment that nobody knows about. You better buy this quick, because as soon as the energy companies find out about this, they're going to shut me down. This is a secret nobody else knows about. I, I, I have a secret way of making money that nobody else knows about. I have a secret tip that nobody else has heard yet. You know, when you hear that word secret, you need to run. There are no secrets to making wealth. The way you make wealth has been discovered and known forever. It has been written over and over and over again in thousands and thousands of books. And anybody who claims that they have a secret, the secret is they're going to take your money. That's the secret. So you stick with what you know. You never invest on emotion. Uh, you know, get-rich-quick schemes love to play on your emotions. And before you thought it through, they have your money. You know, all these infomercials on TV, they pressure you to decide quickly. Buy now, act now, call right now. Operators are standing by. We've only got, you know, so many of these and the counter is going down. Call in the next two minutes and you'll get this extra thing. You know, call now. Three years later, they're running the same ad on TV. Okay? Never make a financial decision under pressure to decide. If you have to decide quick, if you have to decide... Now, I tell salesmen this all the time. If i got to decide right now, the decision is no. No. It's the best answer. You always want to test the idea with other people. And I'm not talking about other people who are involved uh, in the project. Because people who have a stake in the game, they're going to be as excited as you are. But you need to step out of that circle and ask somebody who's a disinterested third party if, what they think of this. Because somebody who's not emotionally involved... They can smell a rat. They can spot the flaw in it and point it out to you. And so you need to get counsel. In fact, if you have a business deal and you're afraid to tell your spouse or you're afraid to tell your friends or tell somebody else about it, you need to avoid it. You know, the scheme that offers you the chance to get rich quick. It, 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 Proverbs 21.5 Steady plodding brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. Circle that word, hasty. If you want to be wise, you make financial decisions slowly. You know, you're in the store and they're pressuring you to buy right now. That's when you need to go home and think about it. You need to sleep on it. Because if it's a good deal today, it'll be a good deal tomorrow. But hasty speculation brings poverty. Steady plodding brings prosperity. You just keep plodding along, doing the right thing. You build the habits of financial fitness little bit by little bit over time things build up you save a little you save a little you save a little and soon it adds up to a lot number three so you make your money honestly number three you honor god first if i want god's blessing on my finances then i've got to put god first in my finances and most of you most of you know the principle of tithing Most of you follow it. You you know right off the top, I give 10% back to God. But real quickly, I want to look at the promise, the purpose, the place, and the day of tithing. Here's a promise about tithing. It comes from Proverbs 3, one of many, many in the Bible. It says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns to overflow. God gets paid first, right off the top. I make 10 bucks; God gets the first dollar. I make 100 bucks; God gets the first $10. But it all comes from God in the first place, and I want his blessing on it. That's why I tithe. The promise of tithing is that if I honor God with the first part of my income, he will bless me. What's the purpose of tithing? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Always put God first. And the beauty of tithing is, is that tithing works on the past, the present, and the future. It works on always. When I'm tithing, I am thanking God for what he's done for me in the past. When I tithe, I am putting God first in the present. And I am tithing. when I'm tithing, I am trusting God for the future. I am always putting God first. Now, where's the place that I tithe? You know, people often ask me, can I tithe to the United Way? Is giving to my brother-in-law who's been out of work, is that tithing? No, that is not tithing. That's charity. That's being generous. You need to do it. But it is not tithing. Tithing is an act of worship where we give the money back to God. The principle's found in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring to my storehouse. In that day, it was the temple. In our day, it's the church. Bring to my storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. This is the only time in Scripture where God says, test me in this. Any other time you test God, you're on thin ice. You're doing the wrong thing. You're not exercising faith. God doesn't like it. But when it comes to tithing, God knows how hard that is for us. And so he says, test me try me. See what happens. See if I don't open up the windows of heaven and bless you as a result of that. So test him, try him, and see what happens. When do I tithe? 1 Corinthians 16 says, on the first day of every week, so routinely, regularly, that's when you tithe. Put aside some of what you've earned during the week and use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Again, it's a percentage. It's a tithe. Regularly, routinely, a percentage right off the top of what you've earned. You put that aside. Now put aside, circle that phrase. That means you have got to plan to do this. If you don't plan to tithe, it won't happen. Personal experience. If you don't plan to do it, it won't happen. This is not an impulsive thing. This is a habit that you establish that you plan to do. And one of the best ways to put aside in our day is just to do online giving, to just set it up to do it for you. And you can go to our website, rockbrook.org, and you can set up a regular giving uh, where you're putting aside automatic. I mean, it's so simple, a caveman can do it, okay? And then it's done. It's done, And, and, and it's built right in. You can exercise that habit. So you honor God first. Number four, you save money wisely. So I remember God is the source. I make money honestly. I honor God first, and then I save some of it. Now, some of you are thinking, now, wait a minute, Pastor. Are you telling me that I save before I pay my bills? That is exactly what the Bible tells you to do. It's exactly what the Bible tells you to do. Because if you do not save before you pay your bills, you will not save. If you do not systematically pay God first, systematically pay yourself second, it's not going to happen. But if you do it, it will add up over time. Do you know that God says that you can test somebody's level of wisdom, you can test somebody's IQ by looking at their savings account. Your savings account tells you how wise you are with money. Proverbs 21.20, the wise man saves for the future but the foolish man spends whatever he gets the average japanese family saves 25% of their income the average european family saves 15% of their income the average american family spends 101% of their income now who's wise and who's foolish okay you know we're we're going to have a generation of americans who are going to get to retirement and find there is nothing there There's nothing there because they have not been saving and they have put their trust, they have put their security in a government that has squandered their wealth. You cannot do that. You must save for yourself. Develop the habit of saving. Let's look at some principles of saving. Proverbs 24, 27 says, Develop your business first before building your house. That means before you go out and build the big house, before you redecorate, before you buy new furniture, before you get that big TV, you ought to take that money and invest it in something that will make you more money. Take your money and instead of buying something with it, invest it in an enterprise that is going to create more wealth, that's going to make money. Develop your business before building your house. Now, when, when you get a raise, uh, you know what you ought to do with it? You need to just keep living at the same level and invest the increases that you get over the course of your life. Don't raise your standard of living every time you get a raise. But what most people do is as soon as they get a raise, what do they do? They go out and buy a new house, they go out and buy a new a car. They take that money and they, and they invest it in debt. And you buy a new car, and the minute you drive it off the lot, it is worth thousands less than what you just paid for it. But you've got to pay for those thousands. In fact, you've got to pay interest on those thousands. And so you have invested your money in a depreciating item that is sucking the wealth out of you. But if you take money, instead of spending it on things, and instead you invest that money in the business, it will grow, it will produce more wealth. You know, for for our culture, people take great pleasure in spending money and buying new things. Oh, we are just so excited when somebody's bought something new. We're so excited when we can buy something new. We need to get the same kind of pleasure and satisfaction out of saving and investing. Now, Ecclesiastes 11 says, invest what you have in several different places. Because you don't know what disasters might happen. It's the principle of diversification, the principle of a balanced portfolio. And the Bible says you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You spread out your investments so that you minimize the risk. Proverbs 13, 11, money that comes easily disappears quickly. You've seen that. Money that comes easily, you know, lottery, gambling winnings. I mean, how long do those last for people? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a gas station, seen somebody play a lottery ticket, win the lottery ticket, get a little money back, turn right around and buy more lottery tickets. I mean, that is a tax on people who are bad at math, okay? That, that, that couldn't be more foolish. Money that comes easily disappears quickly. But money that is gathered little by little will grow. Little by little. You know, most of us needed to have started saving yesterday. We, we, we've missed a significant opportunity. And so you may say, you know, I can't save. I, I'm in debt. I, I don't have enough to save very much. It is not about the amount it is about the habit it is about the consistency over time little by little your savings will build you've got to start building the habit of saving you've got to start building the habit of tithing and it's not the amount of savings it's the consistency over time Now, as I'm talking through this if you're struggling with tithing if you're struggling with saving then you need to go back to the earlier principles. You need to go back and understand that God is my source. I'm to honor God with my money. If I'm not tithing, if I'm not saving, then I haven't taken the earlier principles genuinely to heart. I mean, I may claim I'm trusting God. I may claim that I want to honor God with my life and with my money. But if I'm not tithing and I'm not saving, then I'm just fooling myself about my commitment to God with my finances. You know, I need to take each of these principles to heart. Fifth habit, I must keep good records. Proverbs 21.5 says, plan carefully and you will have plenty. You know, if you don't have plenty, then you're not planning carefully. Oh, but pastor, I had an emergency. Well, everybody has emergencies. You know, everybody loses jobs, everybody gets sick, everybody's car breaks down. Everybody experiences emergencies. The difference between the people who make it through the emergency and the people who are destroyed and devastated by the emergency is some people plan for the emergency. They expect the unexpected. And if you don't expect the unexpected, then it will destroy you. Plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. So you've got to keep good records. You've got to know where your money's going. You know, people say money talks. My experience is money does not talk. Money just walks away and doesn't say a word. You know, money walks. It doesn't talk. So you have to keep good records. Proverbs 27, 23, riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. If this were written today, it would be know the state of your stocks and your bonds. Know your investments. You need to know four things. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and where it's going. If you don't know those four things, then your money's just going to leave. It's going to vanish and disappear. Your money can be gone in a flash, as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. Isn't it interesting that the U.S. government puts an eagle with his wings spread on every dollar bill. <laughs> you know, they know you look at a dollar bill, you know, it's just going to fly away. You got to you got to keep good records. That leads to number 6, because it's not just a matter of knowing where your money's going. You want to plan your spending. You don't want to just know where your money's going. You want to tell it where to go. That's the crucial. And that's a budget. Proverbs 2120 says, so stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. You know, if you don't have a plan, you're going to fall into impulse buying. If I don't know what I'm going to get at the grocery store, I'll come out of there with eight, ten things that I never intended to buy, especially if I go in there when I'm hungry. You ever do that? You know, you can make two mistakes. You can shop for groceries when you're not hungry, and you get home and all you've got is toilet paper and, uh, and laundry detergent, Okay. Or you can shop when you're hungry, and you come home, and, and it's a cart full of ho hos and chips. Okay, but you got to plan your spend I was over at Hy-Vee last night, and there was a mom there. She had her cart, she had all her coupons in a stack, she had a list on top of them, she's holding them all there. And I look over, and there's her teenage son standing there with an armload of two-liter bottles of pop and chips. And the mom looks over at him, and she goes, "That is not on the list." <laughs> I thought, bless your heart, Mom, you're trying to plan what you spend. But everything in our society is is designed to get you to impulse buy, to emotionally spend your money without a plan, without a budget. All the advertisers, all the stores try to get you to to buy impulsively, to buy things you never intended to buy when you went in there, to see it, want it, and buy it. You know, tell you it's on sale, to tell you how much you're going to save if you spend. You know, you're not saving anything, you're spending to get it. You ever, you ever buy something and then later regretted it? Yeah, happens to all of us. That's why you have got to plan your spending. You've got to have a budget. Now, number seven, notice we're all the way down to number seven. And now you set up a repayment plan for your debts. Now, you are not going to get out of debt automatically. You're not going to get out of debt by accident. You have got to plan to get out of debt. You've got to get out of debt by setting up a repayment plan. And it's not going to happen without discipline. It's not going to happen without some hard choices. But if you want to get out from under financial bondage, you've got to pay off your debts. Proverbs 3.27, don't withhold repayment of your debts. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Do you know what an outstanding debt is? You know, I had a guy tell me, yeah, I know what it is. I've got all my debts are outstanding. No, an outstanding debt is when you're not paying the credit card off every month. When you're just paying the minimum payment and you're carrying that balance over, you have an outstanding debt. And God says, that is not good. He says, it's not good for you because you're you're paying far more for that thing that you bought on sale. You're paying interest on interest on interest, and you wind up paying two, three, four, five times as much. That's why the Bible says you must eliminate your debt, and you set up a repayment plan, and you attack that debt, and you pay it off. Number eight, commit it all to God. This whole process begins and ends with God. You know, I must realize it all comes from God and I commit it all back to God. Commit your work to the Lord and then your plans will succeed. You know, folks, God wants you to succeed in life. God doesn't want you to be a failure. Not, not in, the, in life, not in the area of your finances. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. But your biggest problem is not debt. Debt is a symptom of of a deeper problem. Unmanaged finances are a symptom of an unmanaged life. You know, you're struggling financially because your life is out of control. You're you're not building your life on God's habits. And as a result, you're drifting, and and your life is being driven by chaos. And listen, folks, all the money in the world isn't enough to fund chaos. Chaos. You know, people come to me often with financial needs, and, and I tell you, your problem is not financial. We, we can't help you. We do not have enough money to help you because you do never have enough money to fund chaos. Your problem is not a financial problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a problem of the heart. You're not living according to God's plan for your life. And as a result, you're just driven by chaos instead of being under the umbrella of God's protection, instead of being guided and directed and driven by God's purpose. Here's the way most people use their money. You know, they go out and they make some money, and the first thing they do is they spend it. And then because they've spent it, now they don't have enough money to pay their bills. And they don't have any more money to save. And they certainly don't have any money to give away. That is not the plan that God blesses. He's not going to bless it. The plan God blesses is you recognize that God is the source you make your money honestly and you give the first 10% back to God. You honor God with your money. And then you save wisely for yourself. And you keep good records, you plan your spending, you pay off your debts, and you commit it all to God. That's God's plan. And He will bless it. And if you're not doing that, if you're not building those habits into your life, maybe as we've gone through this list, you're thinking, you know, I'm doing two and three, and you know, I'm not doing four and five, and... You know, whatever, wherever you're at, you need to move, make the hard choices, establish the personal discipline to bring your finances into the order that God has for them. Now, maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, you know, I, I have been having a tough time financially and I really need you to pray for me. And, and I'm, we're going to do that right now. And in fact, here in just a moment as we go to prayer, I'm going to ask you to just stand. If you're struggling financially. If you want to make a change, if you want God to bless your finances, I'm going to ask you just to stand, stand with your spouse, stand by yourself. But we're going to pray specifically for you and ask God to move and and to, to move into your life. God loves to come into our lives and bring order out of the chaos. And we're going to pray for that now. I'm going to just invite you as we go to prayer. Would you just stand wherever you are, just by yourself or together or whatever? Let's pray. Father, you know the stories behind each one of these people who are standing. And these are your children. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ whom we love. And God, some of them are facing a major bill. They're they're upside down on their house. Some of them are out of work. They've had a tough time. They're barely getting by. Others have had an illness or some crisis that has just come in and just consumed what they have. And they are struggling right now. And so God together as a church family, we just we just pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for those who are standing. We ask that you would replace pressure with peace. That you would replace tension with trust. Replace frustration with freedom. And debt with deliverance. God help them to break free from the bondage of debt to, to move onto the pathway of financial fitness. And Lord, we're at we're asking. We're just we're just boldly asking for miracles here we we are asking you to intervene whether our economy turns around or not God we want personal recoveries and we just pray that you'll give us the strength, the ability to develop these eight habits together as a church family and that as we yield our lives to you and begin working on our financial fitness God we just pray that you'll make some job openings appear that, that you will do miraculous things in the lives of people where they can just say God did that God was faithful. God helped me when I needed it most. So, God, we just ask for blessings. We ask for healings. We ask for for turnarounds. We ask for unexpected income. We pray that you will miraculously reduce and remove debt just unexpectedly so that we can give you the praise and the honor. Father, we want to be faithful to do it your way. We want to follow your path. We commit our work to you and we pray that you will help our plans succeed we humbly admit we confess where we've blown it god we want to stop that behavior and move our will in line with your will and your word and god we just pray that you'll open the windows of heaven and pour them out so that we can praise you in jesus name we ask it amen